on this episode of The James Quandall Show. I don't want that for myself. I didn't want that for humanity. I want men who are strong leaders. I want. I didn't want to take off my shirt and have somebody be like, oh, that's the dad bod. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I want them to be like, he's a dad? Like, I wanted that. John Vroman founded Front Row Dads because he wanted to win at home and not just at work. Over the last five years, Front Row Dads has become a diverse group of 230 dads from 12 different countries who share a common bond of choosing to put family first as they grow their business. The mission of Front Row Dads is to help men deepen their connection with their children and build a family legacy that they're proud of. Outside of the podcast, live events, and online summits, Front Row Dads has a highly engaged membership that supports each dad in aligning with his family values and staying committed to the most important people in his life. So I've been listening to the Front Row Dads podcast for a long time now, actually before I got married, and I still don't have kids, but I've been a big fan because my thought is <laughs> usually you want to learn a little bit about a subject before you just jump in unknowingly, right? It's like instead of being like, oh, I'm married now. Now I should start listening to a dad's podcast or a husband podcast and learn how to be a good husband. Like, no, I want to learn how to do it before yeah. I jump in. <laughs> good for you, man. And so I've been enjoying your show for a long time and, and I've learned so much. And that's why I wanted to bring you on really to talk about marriage and legacy and your brotherhood and just kind of go through all of that, specifically also parenting. And so I am married now, have been married almost two years. We are talking about kids and we both want to have kids. I'm curious how you know when you're ready to be a dad. Mm, how do you know? Well, I'll tell you a story. If I go back probably 15 to 18 years, this is prior to being married to my now wife, Tatiana. So I'm in the dating phase. And I'm talking to my friend, Sarah. And what comes, to, what comes to light is that she said, John, something to the effect of, John, when, when you know that it's time, you won't have to ask the question, is it time? And after finding Tatiana and then proposing and getting married, there was nobody that could talk me out of it. I did not have to go around and say, is now the right time to get married? Because everything in my body was like, yes, this is it. I don't even need to ask anymore. So I think that it's like that when you don't have to ask the question anymore is the moment that you know that you're, you're ready mm -hmm. to go. At least that's been true for me. I don't know that that's true for everybody else. but Yeah. And for the just some background, your podcast, you've talked to hundreds of, of dads and men. And have you heard a similar thing from them as well? I think that some people, like I just spoke with uh, my friend, Jonathan Fields. He wrote a book um, called Sparked. And Jonathan um, also built a company called The Good Life Project and whatnot. And I asked him about fatherhood. And he just said, I always kind of just assumed that's what would happen because I couldn't see myself any other way. And I, I tend to think that's a lot what it is for a lot of people. There are people, by the way, that, have, that were like, I would never have kids. And then I met my wife and then I had kids and then I fell in love with my kids over time. I think there are people who have also confessed. And I think this is really important, this type of honesty and vulnerability. They've said to me, um, hey, John, you know, I was a father. And while I loved my mm. child, I hated being a dad. And that makes sense, too, because sometimes we think that the only thing we need to say is I'm a dad and I love it. I love, you know, and the answer is 
it, just being a dad doesn't mean you love every aspect of it. I mean, I love being an entrepreneur, but I don't love every aspect of it. And so I think it's okay to say there are parts of being a dad I don't enjoy. Which I am curious which part. Well, I'll give you an example. When I was when I had young, young kids, I would sit down. I'm like, I'm a dad. I should love to play with my kids, right? But playing with my three-year-old or four-year-old, when I'm trying to teach them a game and they're not listening to me and they don't want to follow any rules, they want to make up their own rules. I mean, when I do army battles, and my son Ocean loves armies and he loves these little plastic figurines and we set them up. And every time we do a battle, I lose, you know, I lose in a brutal dis destruction of my army because I try to shoot one of his guys. He goes, nope, dodge that bullet. And then, you know, like this guy blew up your whole base. And what happens is you can see how very quickly that, uh, you know, you need to pull your imagination in. you need to pull your patience in because sometimes it's like, it's hard when Ocean wants to build another battle for the 18th time, you know, and you're like, can we play a different game? Can we play a game that I might enjoy? Those are hard moments as a dad, you know, playing dolls. If you're a dad and you're playing dolls or playing dress up or playing tea party or princess or something like that, it's hard to do that for more than five or 10 minutes for some men. And I'm not speaking for all, but I'm saying that for some, if it's not your jam, you know, what if you, what if you love sports and you dreamt about your kid playing sports with you and your kid just doesn't love sports that happens all the time, right? Or you're a musician and your kid wants nothing to do with music. There's a heartbreaking moment there where you just envision yourself sitting around playing guitar with your kid. And he's like, dad, you're the best guitarist in the world. Teach me how to play guitar. And instead what you get is I hate guitar. I never want to touch it. And you're like, oh, yeah, no. it's like, I thought, yeah, I thought I would finally be able to help someone become Van Halen. I missed my chance. My son still has a chance, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I think I, sure. I have noticed, so I'm, I'm in a chess club and we, we spend time, uh, teaching younger kids the game and nourishing their enjoyment. And a lot of times the parents don't have any aptitude for chess or no interest. And so they bring them and the right. kids just flourish there. And so there's also that there may be things the kids interested in that you just don't know how to support or nourish. Yeah, exactly. You said it perfectly. I mean, that's the thing. And that's why when they say it takes a village, it, it, it you know, I think what we're referring to is like, there are so many dynamics at play. We need to surround our kids with other amazing men and women, humans that will ultimately teach them the things we can't. We can't be all things to our children. We can't know everything, teach everything, be everything. We need we need a, we need a community. So have you us. been deliberate with creating that community for, for your family? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, even so far as going, you know, moving to a specific town, you know, picking the specific school, highly intentional about shaping really? our so community. So what did the town have to do with the choice that you made? Like what, what factors went into that? I mean, it, it could be a big answer and a short answer. I'll, I'll try to stick with the shorter one, but like we lived in the Northeast and my wife, uh, we were looking in Colorado and Florida and Texas and California. We looked in all these places of where to live and we would go and we would stay for a few weeks and we would try to eat at the restaurants and meet the people and do, you know, see friends and all that stuff to see where did we get this full body? Yes. Like this is it. And our last visit was Austin, Texas. And we ended up moving here six years ago. And, you know, what we had to do first was understand our family values. So uh, for us, when we looked at what we valued and we looked at where we spent the majority of our time, what were we doing? What was important to us? Um, what city encompassed those values? And, and Austin was this culture, climate and community 
value system that we really love. These are things that might not matter to other people. They really matter to us. For my wife, Tatiana, specifically the weather, the climate was very important. And if she's in her best self, if she is thriving in an environment, uh, then then the kids tend to do better, right? So you do are, you're in that situation where you take care of you and then you can take care of your kids. The culture of Austin, the the community in Austin, the, the baked in community we already had. Some of our favorite people lived here. Some of our favorite people were talking about moving here. And we have actively recruited people to come to Austin and be with us. And now we have this incredible community here locally of some of my best friends. And it is wonderful. Same thing with school. Like we sent our kids to a private school uh, and we're fortunate to do so. And I realize not everybody might be in that situation to have that choice right now in their lives. But uh, going back all the way to why do I want to build a business? Why do I want to be in control of my income and my schedule is because I knew that I wanted to have more freedom and flexibility with school. And our kids now go to a private school, a very specific private school that caters to the things that we care about the most. And that, and, and I said to my wife last night, we literally, I'll tell you, this happened this happened less than 12 hours ago, sitting in our hot tub for the first time. So we moved into this new house six weeks ago. We're sitting in the hot tub and I've got my wife and my two boys and we're all in the hot tub and I'm looking at my house and I'm in awe of like, this is where we've landed. And I said to my wife, I literally spoke these words 14 hours ago. This has been for us probably a 10 year journey speaking into existence, what it would be like to have a job where I'm not traveling, where I've got total freedom and flexibility. That's a 10-year talk, uh, a house that we love. We have a guest house now that my mother-in-law stays in. We've been talking about that for years. Our kids are in this amazing school. We live in this incredible city, right? We're, and we just looked around and I just said, this has been a 10-year goal that we've been planning for, talking about, pursuing, right? And, and we've had hiccups and it's been a roller coaster and some things worked out and some things didn't. But I just could not believe how good it felt last night to be in this season of life where we had, uh, where we're sitting in, and where we're sitting in this. And let me add this too. It's not perfect. Like my wife and I also had a blowout argument, you know, four days ago. <laughs> it's a horrible argument, right? That was four days ago. If, if you want me to talk about the things that are horrible, you know, or that break my heart and crush my soul, I've got those too. But it, it, I do want to celebrate the victory here um, of like the intentionality of forming what we have and how it didn't just happen quickly. It's literally been 10 years of relentlessly working. Yeah. And this. that's a topic we we have on this show a lot, actually, is plans and long-term vision and looking... 10 years, 20 years out, and then working backwards and setting smaller goals to get sure. there. Is that what it was like for you? You had the kind of 10-year plan and then you'd found a way to make it happen? I don't, I don't do well with 10-year plans. I really don't. I do I do well with like ultimate visions. Like what is what what would feel amazing, right? What and then and then what's the fastest way to get us there? That I do think reverse engineering is important. I do think saying like what do you want your life to look like, feel like and then, and asking who do you need to be today in order to generate that, right? What are the steps that, what would happen today in order for you to get there? I'm a big fan of micro goals. These, you know, if I'm going to run a 50 mile marathon, I want to know like, where's the next 200 yards that I need to run to and working in those short sprint, like, you know, goals, I think are much more effective for me, but I do think knowing what you care about uh, knowing what you don't want is also really important. And, you know, figuring out what you want or who you are is also really hard. 
It's not like you sit down one morning in a coffee shop and it all just comes to you. Like, and it can be more difficult when you're not one, when you're part of a pair. You can't just take, you can't just uh, have your own goals That's and right. needs anymore. You have your spouse That's and right. then you add kids to the mix. And it's, it's also important to have their needs and goals in mind too. And so as far as exercises go, is there anything that's worked well for you for setting up micro goals or these grand visions? I'm not highly structured as a person in general. I think that um, I, I've benefited from other people who are highly structured. I tend to do an annual review where I always sit down and say, what happened well this year? Like what was great? What were the the highlight moments? Or I, at times I've called these front row moments for me. Uh, front row just being this like this metaphor for getting close to what makes you come alive. Right, that's what the front row means to me, and so these front row moments that I experience in my life, I tend to journal about those. I believe strongly that if you can find out what worked, and see what was at work in those moments, right? What were the ingredients that made that so powerful? Where were your greatest successes, and and what happened there? Learn from those, and then you can maybe amplify those because some some you stumble upon. Right. It's like you just had you threw some ingredients together and all of a sudden you're like, wow, that was great. What just happened there? What went into that? That's really powerful for me. I tend to, you know, recently I've been focusing on the gains. In my journal, I just write down like, where am I making gains? So my planning process tends to be more of like a very um heartfelt, what feels right, what doesn't feel right, how can I make micro adjustments tomorrow? Today, what was better than it was the day before? Today, what was draining my energy? And how do I make adjustments? And I'll give it so rather than just speaking theoretically here, let's talk about like something practical, right? Here, here's how this here's here's a practical aspect that I think would impact a lot of people listening. So being a busy dad, husband, business owner, et cetera, I was packing it in Monday through Friday. And my philosophy was I'm gonna hit the ground running on Monday, I'm gonna kick ass all week. And then I'll, I'll try to be with my family on the weekends. What ended up happening was that I ended up dipping into the weekends because I didn't get things done on Friday and I'd have to wrap things up on Saturday. And then I'd actually start revving things up on Sunday because I needed to hit the ground running on Monday. Next thing you know, like I'm an entrepreneur so I can have all this time freedom and yet I'm working seven days a week. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And then here's what I did. I stopped planning anything on Mondays or anything on Fridays. So the only thing... Uh, with one exception. On Mondays, I have a 45-minute team huddle where we do our weekly meeting. And on Fridays, I have nothing. And I used it as map it out Monday. This like idea that I just use that cheesy phrase because it helps me remember the purpose of that, which is to think about the week and really set up the chessboard the way I want it to be, right? You just bringing that Love back it. into play here, right? <laughs> and then Friday is follow-up Friday. It's closing loops. Because here's what I realized. When I go into the weekend, I really need to be clear. I need to close things. I need to finish projects. I'm great at starting things. I'm not always great at finishing them. So Friday became my like buffer day where I could like uh, handle things that popped up during the week that I couldn't squeeze in and you know answer those emails or just send a message saying, hey, I got to push this off. So it's this delegate, delete, defer, or do type of day. And then Mondays were just, I, I didn't start working on Sunday because I was like, I got time on Monday to breathe. And next thing you know, if I'm taking more time to aim, if I'm being more intentional, if I'm being more strategic, then I could be more effective. So it was never about working harder 
although I'm a big fan of like working hard towards what you want, it was very much about saying, this is what I'm willing to give to my work. Now I better figure out how to be effective within that time. This does not sound like the week of an unstructured person. It sounds pretty structured to me as far as, you know, having the bookends for Monday and Friday. That's it. Well, that's what it is. It's like, look, I, I want the freedom to change lanes, but it's great that I know that I don't want to cross over that double yellow line. Otherwise I'll get hit head on, you know, like, so I want the freedom to go faster or slower or switch or do whatever I need to do or take the exit. But thank you for the yellow line that keeps me from. So if you didn't have your map it out Mondays, what would happen instead? Burnout, which is what was happening. You know, it was just burning out. I was, I had no boundaries. I mean, this is a big part of what my 30s and 40s have been about is like learning to say no, learning to have boundaries. I mean, I can't tell you how many times somebody invites me on their podcast or whatever, and I will send send my calendar. And this literally happened yesterday. For a guy I love and I know very well, he gets back to me. He goes, "Uh, December 20th? Really? Like that's the yeah, it's December 20, 2022. Actually, he missed that. It's not this year. <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, the old John would have been, would have felt bad about that. I would have responded and go, Hey, for you, I'll do it earlier or whatever. I would have really worked to cater to serve other people. I love making people happy. I love, I love bending. I love, I love putting myself like saying to a person, you're really important. But I also needed to learn how to say, I'm really important too. And my family is really important. So, you know, I laugh it off and be like, yeah, that's, I know it sounds crazy, but I can talk with you in nine weeks. That's just what it is. Yeah. And, and as far as the, the Monday goes, can you talk more about what it physically looks like the day? I'm, I'm just curious. Are you looking at your calendar for the week? Are you looking at to-do lists? Like how, what do you, how does that day actually set up? It, it, it's always different. I, here's what I do. I do what feels right in the moment. Sometimes I need space. Sometimes I need to literally just go get my car washed and like listen to a podcast and think a little bit and just sit with my calendar and breathe a little bit. Sometimes that's what I need because I don't even think weekends are recharging for me. Weekends are family and busy and events and dinners and barbecues or whatever. It's like busy. Monday is almost the day where I'm like, okay, whew, let's just breathe. Monday always starts with a workout. I lift at 6.30 in the morning. I'm lifting with my buddy, Kyle. I get back. I'll tell you what, what here's what happened on, like, let, let's say, look, I'll look at this Monday and I'll give you actually a practical answer, right? So I lift with Kyle. I come back. I say goodbye to my kids that are going to school. And then I just have free time. I do whatever feels good. I might need to pick something up. I need, might need to clean the kitchen. I might need to take a shower. I might need to anything just take care of me. I might need to go up in my office and put some stuff away or just get my head straight and sit in a chair and go, what do I feel right now? Right? What, what's going on in my life right now? And then I have a planning session where I'll sit down and I'll look at my calendar for the week, for the month, and I'll say, what's important? I might send an email or two to like schedule something, cancel something, book something, block something. But I don't want to start looking at my, you know, my to-do list. I don't want to get wrapped up in little tasks. This is big picture planning. And then I have my team huddle. And then after that, what's, uh, what's on my calendar for Monday is often what I ended up doing. So I don't always schedule something, but I go, what needs to happen right now? And then for us right now, it's, it's organizational. It's our org chart is really what it is. It's, it's, we're hiring a couple, for a couple of positions. We needed to write some job descriptions. And I thought, this is our lead domino. And lead domino is one of our front road ag core values, which is really intentional execution. And for us, it's like, what's the lever 
that moves the biggest amount of uh, you know of mass towards our goal. And for this one, it's the org chart. So I worked on the org org chart for a little bit, and then um, I went to pick up my kids at school. That was it. That's all. That's what I did on Monday. Now this didn't happen overnight. Like we've been building front row dads, and I've worked fiercely to protect my calendar, and and we're growing at a nice rate. I could work harder and grow this thing faster, but. I don't want to give up my life. My kids are 12 and seven. I just, I'm not willing to make that trade. Yeah, so, so Monday right now, your team knows that that's what it looks like. And so they're not pinging you all day. Yeah, it's exactly right. And we have a structure in our organization where we don't ping each other constantly. We do have a system that we work through and we try to be respectful of that. We have channels that we communicate through. Like my team knows I don't do text. Don't text me because I don't want to text because that's for my family. I don't want to be looking at my phone constantly. So we use Slack to communicate and I get to look at that whenever I want. If I don't want to communicate, I don't look at Slack. So you just, you know, that's the deal. And if somebody really had an emergency, they could text me and I will look at it. And if it's a true emergency, but if not, we just don't do that. makes sense. And so Tuesday through Thursday, I imagine are much different. What does that look like? 10 to 4 is when I'm allowed to block things. So I don't want to schedule anything before 10 a.m. or after 4 p.m. And this is podcast interviews. You know, this is meeting with partners. This is anything that's usually I'm taking a walk, I'm on the phone, I'm doing the core work of our business. So, like this perfect example, when you booked this podcast interview, you had no choice. You did not see anything outside of Wednesday and Thursday between 10 and 4. There are, there are no options to book a podcast interview with me outside of that time frame. And, there, and, and the system is scheduled so that it only books one on any given day. I never do more than one interview. Oh, really? I just don't want to. I just, I just noticed that my energy is not there. And I've learned from other people in the past, they block interviews or like I do all my podcast interviews on one day and I block up, I, I, I batch them together. I tried that and I was miserable. I hated that. I hated batching interviews. I don't want to do them all back to back for me. And that's no judgment against other people. It's just, it didn't work for me. And so now this is a much yeah, better that, pace. That's... So I've got another podcast interview today with somebody else that I'll do, which I'm happy to do. So I'll be one-on-one person's show and then one on mine. Uh, I've got a 30 minute call with one of our dads from the community. And then I launch what's called a band today, which is a group of four people in our community that get together and talk monthly. So it's a small group that builds real trust and intimacy amongst each other so they can have the conversations that 99.9% of men are not having yeah, in their so lives. We, we did talk about it. it takes a tribe. And so I think that's super important because you have to be deliberate to create a tribe that you want around you as you did. And so I know in the brotherhood, that's a, a big thing you do with the bands and the, the mastermind calls and everything else that you have set up. Yeah. But what are the things that, we're not talking about that we should be talking about. Well, I'll give you an example of of this. So one of the most obvious, I think, is like the deepest parts of our relationships with our spouses or our kids. One of my best friends lives here in Austin and he's in my band and he's one of my best friends and I've known him for a long, long time. I'll go to his house, let's say on a Sunday and our kids are swimming together in the pool. It doesn't always feel like the right time for me to bring up a really deep subject to say like, Hey, how are you and your wife doing really, you know, to to the point to where he knows, Hey, this is the time when we can talk about that really big, deep, open subject, because look, he might not want to with his kids being 20 feet away, 
right? It's just not the space or his wife possibly walking out. It's not a container. It's not a safe space to have that conversation. And a lot of men are not creating that space intentionally where a band meets every single month for two hours or so, 90 minutes to two hours. There's four people and you've got roughly 30 minutes per person to go as deep as you want. And basically, we don't want to hear anything topical. We don't want to hear updates. We don't want to hear that you went to the zoo with your kids and like, that's it. Like, great. You went to the zoo with, you should be going to the zoo with your kids or, or going somewhere with your kids. Like, and, and by the way, it's not that we don't celebrate victories with each other. We do. And those little moments are big moments, but what we really want to talk about are the things we don't get a chance to talk about. Not the Facebook post type stuff that everybody in the world can know, but like, Hey, my wife and I had a really big fight this week. Here's what happened. Here was the argument. Here's what I think I learned. Do you guys see anything here? Do you have any feedback for me? Do you have any personal experiences for me? Do you have any reflections for me? Because where, where this can be really powerful is somebody recognizing uh, a pattern for you. They go, John, you know, one of the things I've noticed, you might not be aware of this, but over the last eight shares that you've had, this is a recurring theme. And that blind spot that somebody else can see that you can't, that's whole like you can't read the label from inside the bottle makes a lot of sense. Sometimes you're too close to it. Sometimes you're, you're too wrapped up in it yourself to see what's really going on. And that's why you need somebody else to look at your swing and see what's happening. You need somebody else to, to analyze what's going on with your permission, with your blessing, so they can give you some real feedback. And that's what happens at the meeting. So we talk about everything from sex to our kids to, you know, and with, with an agreement, by the way, this is all private with an agreement and trust amongst these men that, Hey, we're allowed to talk about these things here. We're allowed to get open and raw and vulnerable and talk about the fact that, Hey, somebody hasn't had sex with their wife in three months that's a hard thing to like put on Facebook. Haven't had sex with my wife in three months. Any feedback? <laughs> like, you know, it's, or even like you might have good community. You might be going to church and you might be listening to a great sermon and you're standing in the foyer talking with your buddies at church. But is it really the moment when you're going to be like, Hey guys, I got real quick before the kids come back, like haven't had sex in three months. Any, any ideas for me? It's like, ah, that's a, that's a tough one. Now we'll have to have some time to unpack that. And you go, yeah, but it's not going to make it on the calendar. And if it's not routine and it's not ritual and we're not scheduled and we haven't agreed on the format of the conversation, it's probably not going to happen. Have you found a way to build that trust quickly in these small groups? Yeah. And, and I'm launching a band today and here's what I will do. I will lead by example. I will typically, when I'm launching a band, I'll share something very vulnerable, very open, very raw. And they're like, wow, like that, that's where we're going. And I'll open up and I'll share something and that paves the way. All it usually takes is one person to like really open up and be vulnerable on that call. And then it, it gives permission for that to occur. Also enough stories of other people doing it. You know, here's an example, gentlemen, here's another example of when these guys were really honest and here's what came of that. And then with that, and with that written agreement, with that verbal agreement amongst the group, this is confidential. We trust each other. That's great. And also what's also beautiful about it sometimes is being with other guys you don't know as well. See, sometimes, you know, when you're like in your community, you're like, ah, if I tell that to this person, he's going to tell his wife, then it's going to get back to my wife. <laughs> and then it's not. But when you're talking with a guy in another state, who's got no, you know, conflict of interest with you, that could be really free. Oh, this too. is not local. It doesn't have to be. A lot of the guys are, I mean, look, we have a band, an international band, and one of the guys in Dubai, one of the guys in uh, France, and one of the guys in Belgium. 
And they talk every month for two hours, the three guys, all different countries. You know, some of it's virtual and some of it's in person. My band happens to be close together. All of our wives know each other. And we've we've also been a band for three years. So it's been a long time and we've got we navigate that space. It's still tricky. There are pros and cons of being in person and knowing each other. The benefits to all of it, you know, knowing or not knowing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I can see the benefits of this as having a place where you can go that is not your family and it's not your wife, potentially, where you're safe to unpack things a little bit further without that fear, I guess, of, of the judgment yeah. within your own personal relationships. It's pretty cool. How does that help the marriages of these these men? Oh man, I can't even tell I, I, the amount of feedback, the amount of feedback that I've gotten over the years. And this is, you know, going on, gosh, are we six years? Yeah. Roughly six years in front row ads. Hey, this saved my marriage. Right. Or, Hey, I was divorced. If I would have had this information, I don't know that I would be divorced today. I've, I can't tell you how many times I've heard these things. You know, my wife and I have never been closer. I've never been a better dad. And here's why I want to be clear about something. I am not the guru. I am not the expert. I am not the teacher. I am not the one who's saying, hey guys, everybody huddle up and listen to what I have to tell you about fatherhood. That is not what this group is about. This group is about 240 men from 13 different countries. Every one of those guys has something to bring to the table. Every one of those guys has something that is unique to them, that is a talent they have. It is a unique gift. It is a strength. It is a, there's a win in there that when they share it with the group, everybody else is like, dang, that's a great example. That's a great idea. That's a great strategy, right? Because look, I'm a dad of two boys, 12 and seven. I, I don't have girls. I can't really help out there. I don't have five kids. Can't really help you out there if you're in that situation. Don't have a blended family. Can't really help you out there. But we have guys with all those combinations and scenarios, right? We have guys in the group that are single dads. We have guys in the group that are multi, you know, different families and uh, all around the world. And, you know, so the, the wisdom is curated from the group. The wisdom is brought to the group through the questions and the stories they share. And is that in the, the large group format and not in the bands as much? It's all of it, man. It's look, it's one-to-one -one conversations. It's the small group band conversations. It's the monthly trainings that we have, which are typically 30 to 50 guys. We have these summits that are every other month that are like half day events. And those are like a hundred guys from all over the world. We have in-person retreats that we just had in San Antonio with 50 guys sitting in a room, sitting around in a, you know, in a circle, having deep dialogue. Um, we have a live summit coming up in Austin, which would be a couple hundred people in the room, December of 2022. So all combinations of this. And then we got guys listening to our podcast and benefiting that way. And then going and talking with their buddies, they don't have to join Front Row Dads to benefit. I mean, if somebody just wants to get the free content, listen to the podcast and stay there, that's great. And that was me. And that is me. I've been listening to the show for a long time. I've actually been on one of the webinars that you did, the sort of uh, informational webinars. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not married yet. Don't have kids yet. Not yet, but I'm going to stay here at the outside paying attention. Awesome. And so I'll continue to pick up on what I can. That's it. That's awesome. I mean, that's my hope. Look, at the end of the day, man, this, this life is in relative to the timeline of the universe. Like the, the hundred years or so that I will get is very short. And uh, look, I want to be able to pay the bills and put food on the table and, you know, put a roof over my family's head. But 
But dude, I am far more interested in like creating something that actually helps men because something I got very clear about when I was a dad is I can't just take care of my family. Like, and here's an example of what I mean by that. You know, there's a lot of conversation right now around the world supply chain, food. There's, I think, more preppers than there ever been before, based on the disruption that has had that is that that we've experienced over the last couple of years, right? And rightfully so, I think that's a healthy conversation. And the truth is, I don't want to just have food and water stored for my family in case of a catastrophe. I want all my neighbors to have food and water too, because if I'm the only one with food and water, how good is that for my family? It's not. If everybody in our community has food and water, that's really good for my family. You know, the only that, that's that's the best avenue is to make sure that your family and those around you, that your neighbors, are taken care of. And so I I don't want to hoard all the great ideas for Front Row Dads members only. I think we have an obligation that we want to get this this information on how to be a great family man how to be a great leader within your family so that you can do all the things that are necessary for a father to do, to, to take care of his family, um, to create a thriving family. We want that to be accessible to everybody in different ways. And it just so happens though, that our, our paid membership community is the deepest dive in. And so for people who want to continue to keep going deeper and deeper within the Front Row Dads group, that's where they go. And But there's plenty of stuff in the free side of things to, to, so that we can feel like give everything away. But if somebody wants to play at the, you know, at the in-person retreats or at the summits that we have, then, then they're a member. And how how did this start? I guess, how did you get into this desperation for yourself? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I had a six-year-old and I'm a speaker traveling all over and I'd literally built the business of my dreams. I'm getting paid lots of money to give speeches. I'm traveling all over the world. I'm talking about the exact thing I want to talk about. And at some point I, you know, came to my awareness that I was like living this great dream and that I was providing for my family, but I wasn't really being the dad I knew I could be. I wasn't being the husband I knew I could be. And so everything else I ever learned in life, I, I, I did in community. Like I wanted to write a book, right? You hire the best coaches. You go to the best masterminds. I wanted to become a speaker. Like when I was a $5,000 speaker, I went to Michael and Amy Port's training program called Heroic Heroic Public Speaking. And I became a $10,000 speaker in like 30 days. Right? I learned... uh, And then all of a sudden, oh, oh, wait a minute, I'm a a $10,000 speaker. And then I was a $20,000 speaker. And then I was a $30,000 speaker. I don't think I would have gotten there without Michael and Amy Port. By the way, if you ever take their program, it's awesome. Tell them I said hello. But you know, I would also say that um, I didn't have anything like that for fatherhood. Why, Why is that? Why, why is there nothing available in that space for fatherhood? And I knew that we needed to make a change. And the other thing I noticed was that there was a lot of like joking about dads, like this, there's a, like this cultural, like dads are these bumbling idiots who once they become a dad, like they, they dress like idiots. They, they don't know how to take care of their kids. They don't know how to change a diaper. They're like, I don't know. How well, to yeah. Do. Look at the family guy, Homer Simpson. Everybody loves Raymond. You look at any show and it's the dads look like a fool in all of them. Yeah. I don't want that for myself. I didn't want that for humanity. I want, you know, men who are strong leaders. I want, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to take off my shirt and have somebody be like, oh, that's the dad bod. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I want them to be like, damn, he's a dad. Like I wanted that. Not, not from an ego uh, standpoint, although that's of course at play. I of course have an ego. I of course will tell you it feels good when somebody says, that you look great. Of course. 
But at a deeper level, what I wanted was strength for my kids. I wanted to be present with them. I wanted to teach them what a growth mindset was. I wanted them to see me read books. I wanted them to see me meditate. I wanted them to, I wanted them, I want to take them on adventures. I wanted, if somebody ever picked up my kid and tried to take them from me, for me to have the strength to protect my family. I wanted to be uh, strong enough, fast enough, smart enough so that I could lead, that I could provide, that I could, I could do it in a way that had, I had confidence, but I also had humility, right? I wanted a quiet confidence amongst myself and amongst my peers. So it didn't exist. I didn't see that. And I wanted to form a community that would focus on that. We all talked about business a ton. We love talking about business. And I would get on the phone and I'd talk about business with my buddies. And then my wife would be like, Hey, how's so-and-so's wife and kids? And I realized I never even asked. I never even said, how is your wife? How are your kids? Like, I didn't know Jack about them. It's a problem. That is a problem. In my opinion. Yeah. And, and in your book, you actually mentioned, I think, six or seven different, I, I don't know if you call them, you call them categories. And family was one of them. Spiritual was one of them. Uh, your physical life was another one of them. Your business was in there. But it is so easy just to focus on the business one. That's the one we spend the most of our time on. So it's like, oh, this is what I'm going to talk about. This is the one I'm already excelling That's in, right. potentially. But the ones we're struggling with, I don't want to talk about that. And 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 so it, you have to be more deliberate about it. The, as far as your examples of strong man, where did you find those in books or communities or elsewhere? Was it? Did you see it anywhere? For sure. I mean, there's plenty of examples of that too. I think that we we needed to start defining them collectively. And that's what we did with Front Row Dads. You know, we got our group together and we figured out collectively what were the six pillars that we wanted to focus in. And we developed those six pillars. And honestly, it started out as five pillars. Uh, or it started out actually as four pillars, then it was five, then it was six. And I think we've settled on six pillars for the for the organization from you know, from marriage to parenting, to wealth and legacy, to business evolution. And we had to get clear about what was different about our group than other groups. Like business evolution, as an example, we don't want you to, we don't want to teach you how to make a million and go to 2 million for the sake of doing it, for the sake of growth, like without any type of other intentionality around that. So we're like, why do you want to grow your income? What is the purpose of that? How does that make you a better family man? How does that serve your family or the world? There had to be a filter through that. Right. So we got very clear about how we define these terms. We figured out our core values, right, within Front Row Dads and what they meant to us and what we stood for. We wrote them out collectively as a community. We got clear about these things. It was all there, James. It was all within the community. Everybody brought something to the table. These are some of the best men that I know on the planet that are within our group. Um, and what, what can we learn from each of them? our ethos of engagement, how we wanted to treat each other. And you could see those, if you want to see those values, they're at frontroadads.com. You can read them. And I think that's how we filter people in or out of our group. Somebody reads those and I've had countless people read them and go, hell yeah, that's exactly the community of men that I've been looking for. And the truth is that you know, even in my own neighborhood, I love some of the guys that live in my neighborhood, but I don't. I, they're not the type of people... And, and that's not a poke at them. It's not that I'm better than them. I'm just different. But they're not people that I want to spend a ton of time with. And mostly because our, our systems don't align in that way. And again, not to say my system is better than their system. It's just different systems. And that's okay. I can love other humans and realize that we don't want to go to the same concert. That's all right. <laughs> no problem. We just have a different vibe. That's cool. I just want to find the people that vibe with our mission. And then, and then through the diversity 
and shared common ground. We yeah, grow. that's that's beautiful, and it it definitely struck a chord with me. And then I could see people I know where it wouldn't, where they would look at that and go, I do not want to spend time doing this. It's just not anything to do with what I want. That's exactly right. Yeah, we should. What we don't want to do, what I don't subscribe to is the cancel culture. Oh, I disagree with you. I'm going to shut you down. I'm going to quiet you. I'm going to hush you up. No, no. I think it's great for people to be able to voice their opinions. I think it's great for people to ask big questions. I think that's what makes us strong. I think that's what we need to keep doing. Um, and I think there's nothing wrong with finding your tribe. And again, recognizing that like, I, I want to play volleyball. It's natural for me to want to hang out with people that want to play volleyball because that's our, right? But it's like, if you're a baseball player, I love you too, man. It's great. I just want to play volleyball. So I'm going to probably hang out with people that do that. Yeah. It makes a lot of, it makes a lot of sense when you say it that way, doesn't it? It's just common sense almost that, um, this, this, these tenants that you have of, of, of are, would attract other people like that. And then those are the people you're going to want to spend time with. So, but what does legacy mean to you? Legacy, we, we talk about what's called 7G impact in our, in our value statement. And 7G impact is seven generations. So when you make a decision today, is that a healthy decision for seven generations from now? And, and I'll, let me give you another practical example. We are working right now in our yard. I'm looking out as I'm talking to you into my yard. And we're working with a permaculturist to figure out how we're going to landscape our yard not just to plant things for the sake of planting, but to actually grow fruit trees and to have perennial, you know, food producing, um, you know, you know, life in our yard. What does that look like? And my wife and I are talking and she would say, we might not even be here three years from now. And this tree that you'll plant might not even bear fruit for another three years. And I go, yeah, but how cool would it be for whoever else comes into our home to have benefited from our thoughtfulness about, you know, taking care of them, right? And what would have happened if somebody that owned this house 10 years ago was thinking the same way about us? Hey, 10 years from now, somebody else is probably going to be living here, but they'll love the fact that there's a matured, you know, fruit tree here for their benefit because it's good for the world, because it's good for humanity, because it's good for the for the wildlife that's around us. I like to think and when it comes in terms of legacy is our, our lasting impact when I make a decision, being conscious and careful of how that ripples out in time. Um, and that if we can do that for others and those in the past had done that or had either, yes, done that and I'm benefiting from it today or had not done that and I'm still trying to clean up that mess or remedy that myself, um, if we could all do a little bit of that, if we could just take one step in that direction, that we have a better chance of making it. History would say that not everybody... It's not always a happy end. How do you think 10 years out planting a pecan tree or a persimmon tree or an apple tree? Yeah, you, you may not be there in three years. Like how is it really for other people or is it for you if you maybe stay there for 10 years? Or is it a, is a combination of both of those? I think it's all of it, man. But it's just a beautiful question. Hey, is what I'm doing today benefiting, you know, humanity seven generations? So I think when I when I heard seven generations, when I heard legacy, my initial thought was seven generations of my blood, my family. Like, what decisions can I make today to help seven generations of the Quandals? Yeah. But the way you're saying it is, is, how can I make a decision today that will help seven generations of people as a whole? And are they really different, right? Because here's the thing. If you take care of your family, 
let's say that the mental health of your family is great, but the mental health of all the people in your neighborhood sucks. How safe for your children? I want everybody to be happy and healthy because my kids' future depends on it as much as their own. Now, I will pour more energy probably into my kids because they're right here, they're right now, they're right in front of me. Like that, I think that makes sense, uh, proportionately speaking. But yeah, I think it's all one and the same. And I also think that, you know, speaking of food, what you put in your mouth right now, if you're a, if you're a dad who is literally in the process of making children, right? I want you to think about this. The foods you eat, the air you breathe, the water that you're breathing, whatever chemicals are in all of those compounds, right? Whatever is going into your body, the stress levels that you have are forming a body that is, gen- it is changing the genetics perhaps of seven generations to come. So in other words, science has shown that whatever you eat today will affect children seven generations to come. If you are high sugar, right? And you are and you are taking in a lot of toxins to your body, you are affecting that child and, and generations to come. If you eat healthy foods and exercise and help reduce stress and live in a clean environment, that will affect children seven generations to come. You are going to make an impact. Your legacy is going to be something. You just have to choose what it's going to be. You should repeat that because I think that is the tenant of legacy right there. You're going to have one either way. I love the fact that you talked about pouring into your kids. They're there. They're going to get that. But also the more you pour into them, the more that then they can go out and pour into others around them as well and their neighborhood, their sure. community. But that that's a hard frame of mind. I I may be selfish, but it's hard for me to worry about my neighbor as much as myself. How do you get to that point? I don't know that you ever will worry about them as much as yourself. Uh, I I guess, let me just say, I think it totally depends on the person, right? I, I can only speak from my own experience, but the amount of time today that I will put into taking care of myself and my family versus my neighbor, I mean, 99% of my focus is going to be on myself and my family. Um, but that 1% can make a big difference, right? That, that, that can start to, you know, that 1% can become a lot, right? 1% change, 1% contribution, 1% shift in trajectory over time becomes quite significant. So I don't think it's about, this is where people get into like the whole balance is bullshit idea. And I understand what they're saying. It's not about balance. It's not about equal time at work and equal time at home. It's about harmony. What does balance in humanity or I mean in nature look like? If you, if you want great answers, look to nature. Look at nature uh, and see, is it about the fact that there's 12 deer and 12 cardinals and 12 worms and 12, right? Like it's not about that is not meaning balance. Balance is about when the ecosystem is properly functioning. And that might mean thousands of worms, hundreds of cardinals, dozens of deer, whatever that looks like, it is about harmony and it is about effectiveness. And it's about a thriving, flourishing individual and community. And all you have to do is look at the results that you're getting to determine, like, is that enough? Look at the results of your community and ask, is the balance or or the proportions correct? Because if you're going to bake something, right, and you're putting in certain ingredients, how's the result? Is it working? Are people happy and healthy and thriving? Are they looking after each other? I think that we have an internal compass that guides us wherever you think that compass comes from. I think it's there. And I think we know intuitively a lot of times if we're, if we're a healthy system, we know right from wrong. 
We have instincts. What other ways can we help the community directly around us? The best way for you to help a community around you is to know what makes you come alive first. What is your zone of genius? What is your unique ability? Speaking of things from other people like uh, Jim Dethmer and his work on conscious leadership and you know what he calls the zone of genius. I think that's also a Gay Hendricks thing. Um, Dan Sullivan's unique abilities, right? There, people talk about this all the time. When you're in flow, when you're in the zone, when you're taking your God-given talents or strengths, and I'm not making this religious, I'm saying the things that are born into you, however you define God, right? When you talk about what's natural, when you talk about the things you've worked to develop, the things that you, the skills and the talents that you've worked to develop. And if you deploy those and everybody brings their strengths to the table, we're all playing a sport and everybody finds out whether they're, you know, they play this position or that position, any type of organization, you know, not everybody's born to be a CEO, not everybody's born to be a CFO, not everybody's a good COO, like you can't wear all the hats. You can't have all the seats. Right? You've got to figure out where you serve best and then show up fully in that space. And when you do, I think your community thrives. So look, I am not going to solve all the problems of our community. But what I'm going to do is pour into dads. I'm going to pour into family men. That's my contribution to society. And I think Howard Thurman's quote says it best, where he's like, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs are people who've come alive. That to me is the benefit to society when each person is showing up with their the right tool that they were given to contribute and say, let's all build something. You go garden. You put the roofing on, you, you know, somebody's the cook, somebody's the right, like somebody's the doc, somebody just gotta figure out what's yours. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful way to look at it. And if we all played that part, then we would have a thriving community. If we took care, if we all came alive ourselves, we would that's have right. a, a great, happy, thriving community of people and they would be affecting yes. seven generations they'd be they'd be affecting 14 generations from now if we could create these communities and it just starts with us and then the people you interact with throughout your day on your walks or when you're in your yard or you're having a barbecue invite your neighbors over they can see that something's different and they go what is different i don't know but i want to spend more time around john because i want some of that that's right you know what's interesting is when i'm at my best when I'm the healthiest, when I'm eating healthy foods, when I'm getting rest, when I'm doing work I love, I have had enough reflections from other people that have said to me, you know what, John, something's different about you right now, man. I don't know what it is. Like maybe you're standing a little taller, you're, you know, you're just, you just look different, you sound different. And I that comes back to me when that is true of what's happening in my life. Right. When it's true at my core, I'm like, yeah, I know that is. That is, an, that is an, a comment that is aligned with truth because I am in a good spot. I am taking care of myself. I am doing work I love. I am not exhausted. I think that's important, man. And I think that inspires people too because they can see in you what they want to see or what they do see in themselves. What gets you back on that rhythm when you fall off of it? How do you, how do you notice when you're not in sync with that harmonious lifestyle? So part of it is learning to listen to your body learning to listen to your, your heart or your mind, right? Like to, to notice it. Um, I don't know if you've ever studied the Enneagram. Okay. So I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Is, is that the enthusiasm? What That's what I yes, am too. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, cool. And then you probably know that 
that oftentimes enthusiasts don't like to feel their feelings. So in the past, I wanted to live big. I was yes to everything, right? And what that also meant was alcohol for me. It was alcohol. I said yes to alcohol all the time. Oh, people are coming over. Let's open up a bottle of wine. In fact, this is so special. Let's open up two, right? It was, everything was about feeling good. Everything was about silver linings. Everything was like, what's the gift and the challenge? I was so good at going, hey, you know, I'm tired. I go, I'm tired. Well, hey, it doesn't matter because life's in front of me and I got yes today. And, and that was like great for a while up until it wasn't. And, and what I mean by that was, I didn't really listen to myself. I kept like powering through. I was like, man, a Red Bull and vodka and let's go. Let's say yes to life, right? That was the spirit. And I, I had a lot of fun. There was a lot of great things, but there's also a price to pay for that. There is a cost at that level of like yesing constantly. And so I think what helps me stay on track is actually sitting down and going, how do I feel about that? Right? How do I, I don't need to just power through a hangover with coffee and a smile. I need to actually pay attention to what's going on in my body. What am I, what is really being said? And that to me is a piece that, like, even just holding my hand on my heart, taking a moment to close my eyes and say, How do I feel about that genuinely? Oh, and actually, I'm a no. My body's telling me no. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that event. I don't want to go to that party. I don't want to do that thing. I don't want to do that part of the business. It's so hard to do, especially when you're growing your business and you don't have the confidence to say no. You don't think that if I say no to this client or this opportunity, will there be another one? It's scary. Exactly. So scary. Yeah. And, and I understand it. And that's why there's no judgment here. Like there is a season of like, yes. I mean, one of my favorite movies is that Jim Carrey movie where he just says yes to everything. It's Did you see the one where he, it was, uh, there's a new one. It's called Yes Day. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's great. And, and by the way, there's benefits to being in a yes space of life. There's benefits to like saying yes to the adventure, yes to the journey. It just depends on where you are. I, I, was, a, I was a master at the yes. I needed to learn the no. <laughs> if you're a master at the no, you might need to learn a little bit of the yes. That's a game. great point. Right. And so it just depends on where you are. Uh, but for me, I really needed to start paying attention. And the second piece of this equation, James, having people around you that won't, that will call you out right? That will literally stand up for you and say, look, you know, you might be fooling yourself, but I know you and this does not look good. Feel good. This is not how this is. I'm going to, I'm going to call bullshit. I'm going to challenge you on this. I'm going to, my job is not to always be like, Hey, it's your life, man. I'm your buddy. I'm just by your side. It's like, no, it's actually, hold on, man. This I'm, I'm really concerned for you and that's okay too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You need that too. I, I don't, I don't have that, and I think it's important. I mean, I have friendships. I have some of that. It's not deliberate where it's this time set aside. It's more of that, hey, meeting in, you know, on the way out of church. Hey, how's your life going? Well, this isn't really a time to tell you, so I'll just tell you life's good and then move on into the, the next spot. So I think setting up some type of a system, a men's group, a group of people you can be honest with, I think it's, that's a big part of the recipe here. So where can we learn more about you and what you're doing and what else are you working on now that you've sort of, you were in the hot tub, you're, you're loving where you're at right now. This is where you dreamed of being. What are you working on next that we can support you with? Uh, thank you, by the way. This has been a fun conversation, James, and I love what you're up to. And I'm, I'm really in your corner. I'm rooting you on for what you're building. Uh, if somebody's listening to this, chances are they like, they enjoy the podcasting space or the audio space, wherever they're listening to it. Hey, Front Row Dads podcast has a lot of great 
wisdom there from men that have walked different paths. Um, I think that's a great place to start. So I would point everybody to the podcast as a place to pick up some some good, some good nuggets, you know, and that's a great place to say, like, is this feel right? Is this a good alignment here? Uh, if somebody wants to go even further than that, then I'd go to frontroadads.com and, and uh, I would join the brotherhood. I mean, roll the dice for a year, but don't do it until you're ready. Like, I don't, I don't want guys jumping in that actually don't know anything about our group. I don't, I don't want that. I want somebody to know a little bit coming in. I want them, you know, I prefer that they listen to the podcast. I prefer that they think about it a little bit before they say yes. Um, my goal is not to get a bunch of people to say yes. My goal is to attract the right men to our community. Um, cause if a bunch of the wrong guys jump in, it screws up everything. And, and I think that the right guy will know if he's the right guy, when he reads our values, when he listens to the show, when he, you know, when he gets in, when he gets in our, our in our atmosphere of front row dads and starts paying attention, it will be obvious of whether or not it's the right fit. That's what, that's what happens all the time. Guys will like, Hey, I listened to the podcast for a little bit. And then after a while, I was just like, this is definitely my crew. Like no question. This is my crew. And that's, that's a yeah, great thing. You, when I listen to the show, I go, this is someone I want to hang out with. Like I'm listening to the guests. Like this is the kind of person I want to be around. That's telling me these tricks, how to get a workout in, in a busy day or, uh, yeah. all the other nuggets. It's just, those are the people like, I'm like, where are these people that live around me that are like this? Like I want these people. <laughs> right. So what's next for yeah. you? What, what, what's on the horizon and, and what's coming? Um, I'm going to stay the course. That's the thing. What's on the horizon is staying the course. I love where we're at. I love what's happening in front row dads. We have a great foundation built and we're going to keep tweaking and tuning and trying new things in our foundational space of like, this is rock solid right now. And we, it, it is growing. I mean, we, we added 40 new members in the last six months. This is good. We, it's happening organically. It's happening naturally. Uh, we love it. We, we added in this mailer program that we're mailing out kind of a guide every eight, every eight weeks to our guys. And like, that's new. That's exciting. It's, it's like I said to my team the other day, I was like, this is going to be big. I go, this is going to be big. We're going to really change. Oh, it's right here. By the way, like this thing. Oh, how cool people. is that? Emotional um, intelligence. Yeah, I just gave a sneak peek. Yeah. And it's like, hey, here's the new members. And um, here's our challenge for November. Here's some questions to ask your family. Here's questions to bring up to your band. Here's our, our summit that we have coming up. Emotional intelligence with Jim Dethmer and John Berghoff. And then it, it's like, this is sitting on my desk. And I said to my team, I go, what's funny is I'm being affected by this. Like I'm a better dad because I'm looking at this document that our team created and I'm going, I'm going to ask my family that question today. I'm going to, I'm going to, Oh, I got to remember to download that app and participate in the meditation challenge. Like, I mean, this is, it's so fun. Cause I, I always tell people like, I started the group I wanted to join. And so my, my litmus test for how it's going is like, am I benefiting as a dad from my own group? And the answer so far is yes. So I want to keep benefiting from congratulations. And here. and I, this is an audio. So for the listener, uh, John's face is just is is just radiating joy right now. And so if that that tells Thanks, you man. that this is real and this is this is where it's at. So check out uh, frontrowdads.com and I'll put the show notes for this episode, including links to everything we talked about over at quandall.com slash front row. That's quandall.com slash front row, and I'll link to the, to your podcast, your website. Uh, your book and how to join the brotherhood and and everything else from from there. So I really appreciate you coming on the show. This was so much fun and 
and uh, you've got so much value to add. You said you weren't the one that had the knowledge or the wisdom, but I beg to differ. You've got a lot over the years of, of spending so much time some, around these, these genuine thanks, people. So I love it. Thank you, James. Thanks for listening to this episode of The James Quandall Show. The show notes for this episode and other goodies can be found at quandall.com. Are you enjoying the show? If you are, please subscribe and leave a review. I may end up reading your review live on the next episode. Subscribing, leaving a review, and telling your friends about the show is the best way to support me and help the show grow. See you next time.